This week in KMA Land, Iowa Legislature passes Educational Savings Account Bill. KMA Land educators, legislators react to school choice bill's passage. Brenda Leash Law gets longer leash. Shenandoah officials eye new street department facility. And Golden Hills RC&D seeks Page County projects. I'm Mike Peterson. Supporters call it a big victory for parental choice in private education. Opponents call it a major blow to public schools. Just two and a half weeks into the 2023 Iowa legislative session, Governor Kim Reynolds signed the school choice bill into law. The Tuesday morning signing followed the Iowa House's passage of House File 68 by a 55 to 45 vote Monday evening, sending in motion the creation of educational savings accounts, which would include nearly $7,600 in state funds for families to send their children to private schools. The Iowa Senate passed a similar measure by a 31 to 18 vote. During the signing, Reynolds touted the plan as a new way to invest in students rather than a specific system. We're rejecting the idea that the answer to improving education is simply pumping more money into the same system year after year without making significant changes. And we are putting an end to the notion that competition is a zero-sum game. Under the bill, any family, regardless of income, with a K-12 student who wants to switch to a non-public school during the next school year would qualify for the ESA funds, which is the same as the state allocates to public school districts per pupil in supplemental state aid. Some income restrictions apply for students already attending private school, but those restrictions would expire two years after the plan is passed. Additionally, Reynolds says the plan gives parents more choices in selecting an education that fits their child's needs. Public schools are the foundation of our educational system, and for most families, they'll continue to be the option of choice. But they aren't the only choice, and for some families, a different path may be better for their children. With this bill, every child in Iowa, regardless of zip code or income, will have access to the school best suited to their individual needs. The legislation also plans to loosen restrictions on categorical funding for public schools and provide an additional $1,200 to public schools for each student within their district switching to a private school. House Republicans also voted to exempt the bill from the traditional budgetary process requiring consideration of the House Appropriations Ways and Means Committees typically required of bills that appropriate funds. However, 12 Republicans, 9 in the House and 3 of the Senate, joined Democrats in opposing the proposal. At least one veteran KMA land administrator says he's extremely disappointed by the bill's passage. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Glenwood School Superintendent Dr. Devin Embray says the bill will have a lasting impact on public education in the state. I don't believe it's a, a parent choice bill. I think it's a private school bill. There's just not any merits to the bill that would cause any of us to feel like there's structure around it or any guide rails around it. And for that reason, I'm, I'm just extremely Embray also questions another component of the bill allowing districts to use so-called categorical funding allocated to programs like talented and gifted and professional development for teachers' salaries and other needs. KMA land lawmakers split on the proposal. Republicans Tom Moore, Dave Seek, and Brent Seacrest and Democrat Josh Turek voted against the bill on the House side of the chamber. Moore tells KMA News he doesn't think the ESA proposal is fiscally sound. I want to protect public education. I think private education has its own place, but I want to protect public education and that I don't believe 
the way we're spending the money is that of what a fiscal conservative would do fiscally. And so uh, so I couldn't support it fiscally. Republicans Devin Wood and Ray Bubba Sorensen were among those voting with the majority in favor. Republican Tom Shipley was among those voting no on the Senate side, while Republicans Dan Dawson and Mark Costello voted in favor. Costello told KMA News the so-called school choice bill is appropriately named in that it gives parents control over where they send their children. You know, a lot of people would like to have their kids to go to a, a private school, but they can't afford it. And so this kind of puts those that don't have the financial means on a more level playing field with those who have the money to go to private schools. And just a, a matter of allowing some parents that are not satisfied with it in their public schools, and for good reason sometimes, uh, and so I think they should have that uh, opportunity. Costello also says the bill extends operational sharing incentives for school districts another 10 years to 2034. Since Southwest Iowa has few private schools, the Imogene Republican doesn't believe the bill will negatively impact local K-12 districts. Discussion over a leash law took a different twist in Clarinda this week. Meeting a regular session Wednesday night, the Clarinda City Council unanimously approved the first reading of an ordinance amendment pertaining to animal control. The passage comes after the second reading of a leash law proposal failed at the council's last meeting two weeks ago. At that meeting, council members asked city manager Gary McClarnon to rewrite the amendment to require dogs to either be confined by a fence or a leash when they are not in their owner's home. We did identify at large, meaning not confined within an enclosure on the owner's or custodian's property. So in other words, an animal would have to be confined on the property if it's outside the dwelling, uh, not secured so the dog is confined entirely to the owner's or custodian's property. So basically that would be, you'd have to have it on a leash or a rope or something like that. The amendment's passage came after the council heard from a couple of citizens on various animal control issues. Connie Richardson said she is still recovering from an attack in November by two at-large dogs while leaving her home to go for a walk. Richardson says she would support tighter restrictions on dogs running loose in the community. I don't want an attack by an at-large vicious dogs to happen to anyone else. I, I want everyone to feel safe walking on the walking trails, the boulevards, the sidewalks, and even in their own yards and driveways. I support strengthening the animal control ordinance. John Millihone also presented to the council on several incidents he has experienced with loose and vicious dogs in the community, including numerous incidents involving police intervention. Millihone encouraged the city to more strictly enforce at-large and vicious animal ordinances that are already in the books. I feel that that casts a large enough net that a leash ordinance is not needed. Um, I understand wanting to add stuff to everything, but that also gives the police department and other people room to work. Following passage of the first reading, the council will consider a second reading at its next meeting. Shenandoah officials say it's time for a new facility for the city's street department. At its regular meeting Tuesday evening, the Shenandoah City Council set a public hearing for February 14th at 6 p.m., on entering into a contract with Valley Farms Incorporated to purchase five acres of land on Ferguson Road. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Wednesday morning, Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen says the city hopes to construct a new street department shop across from the Iowa National Guard Armory. He says it's a facility the city's needed for a long time. You know, they're working out of the old building down here and they've outgrown it 
10 times. Uh, they just don't have the room and stuff. So this is something we've talked about since I came in last January, a, week, a year ago, January, is the possibility of that. And uh, with this coming up being available, uh, it seemed like an ideal location for it. And uh, I think, you know, it's it's much needed. We need to get our equipment in. We need to have be able to work on it and so forth. Council members directed City Attorney Milan Sorensen to make an offer on the property following a closed session at the end of the previous council meeting earlier this month. McQueen says the project's dimensions and cost are undetermined at this time. But the mayor adds the city needs a bigger facility in for the current shop located near Shenandoah's old fire station. Officials of the Golden Hills Resource Conservation and Development are seeking input from Page County residents on future projects. During its regular meeting Tuesday night, the Page County Board of Supervisors heard from Golden Hills RCND Executive Director Carol Morgan on the possibility of establishing an advisory committee for various projects within Page County. Morgan says the discussion also comes after the county allocated $15,000 to Golden Hills RCD to assist in finding grants for the county. She says the proposed committee could assist in identifying projects in various areas, including water resources, land conservation, arts and culture, local foods, and outdoor recreation. are interested in the local foods, are interested in watershed work. I know JD has been uh, one of our board members on the Watershed Management Coalition. He's been very active and attended nearly every meeting on the Musk has another meeting conflict. Uh, but, you know, working within the watershed in arts and culture, outdoor recreation. So those main areas um, to form a committee just for Page County to identify, you know, different things that we can help out with, including grant writing and uh, bringing tourism into communities. She adds that establishing the committee wouldn't require action. It would not be a formal voting body. When we return, we'll talk about bonds. Clarinda School Bonds. Stay tuned. Clarinda school officials continue to explore future options for the district's facilities ahead of a major bond issue vote. Meeting in regular session late Wednesday afternoon, the Clarenda School Board approved the issuance of approximately $13 million in school infrastructure sales, service, and use tax revenue bonds. Clarenda School Superintendent Jeff Privius says the move allows the district to use funding from its Secure and Advanced Vision for Education or Save Revenues for a variety of building-related purposes. Build, furnish, and equipment additions to the elementary school and the middle high school with related improvements to improve, repair, remodel, furnish, and equip the elementary school and middle high school, and to improve the sites, including cost of issuance and a debt service reserve fund if required by purchaser. Wednesday's action is separate from the March 7th special election on a $14 million bond issue and a voted physical plant and equipment levy totaling $4 million for numerous renovations to the district's facilities. Board members also discussed options for maintaining, selling, and transferring certain properties depending on the bond issue's fate. Board member Paul Boyson called for an up-to-date appraisal of the former Shopco facility and to approach city and county officials regarding the future of the district's auxiliary football field and bus lot. And Boyson agrees with Privia that the McKinley Central Office building must be repurposed. The school district should not own any more property than they absolutely need. That's finance 101 I learned when I took my school finance course and uh, neither should we be a landlord. Board member Gray Jones says he has similar but somewhat different viewpoints regarding facilities. I would say that anything that we do, we obviously have to run through our council and we know that there's a process. We did the same thing when we acquired the Shopco building. 
Um, so there's going to be things that we're going to have to do from a legal standpoint and how we sell anything, uh, whether we put it out for bid or whether we put it on the market. I don't disagree necessarily with the city part, but I also wonder if on the private market what we could get from people that want to develop housing in the area. However, Jones says he doesn't feel comfortable doing anything with the district's properties until the bond issue results are known. Mills County officials are asking rural residents to help lure a potential new business to the area. Voters in the county's unincorporated areas go to the polls March 7th on a 7% hotel motel tax. Mills County Economic Development Director Andrew Rainbolt tells KMA News residents living outside of Glenwood, Malvern, and other unincorporated areas or towns will decide whether to place a tax on hotel or motel rooms in the county. Rainbolt says the tax is proposed because of an immediate opportunity to land a hotel in the county. There's kind of an immediate opportunity to try to attract a hotel, and part of doing that is creating some incentive, and the hotel will create revenue through this tax, and we can use that to help incentivize that hotel. While declining specifics, Rainbolt says the hotel is planned for an area somewhere along the Interstate 29 corridor. In addition, Rainbolt says the tax would serve as another tool in the toolbox for attracting tourists and economic development to the county. 50% of all revenue collected through this tax has to be used for either the construction, promotion, maintenance of tourism activities and, and property. So the idea is we're going to be taxing people who come and visit our area, then using that to, uh, in part, promote more people to come and visit the area. Rainbolt says the most surrounding counties already have a similar tax in place. The referendum needs only a simple majority in order to pass. An annual audit report released this week shed new light on the city of Hamburg's financial dealings. State Auditor Rob Sand released the report Monday revealing 15 findings, including conflict of interest concerns. The first involved a community catalyst building remediation grant agreement the city entered into with the Iowa Economic Development Authority, totaling $400,000 to assist in recovery from the 2019 floods. Sand says more than $230,000 of those grant funds went to the Hamburg City Council member Kent Benefiel, setting up a conflict of interest due to the city not establishing safeguards from city employees, consultants, or members of the governing board from using their positions for or the perception of private gain. After the flood hit, and after the grant was awarded for the cleanup of some properties, he then purchased those properties. And so knowing that that was going to be heading, uh, knowing that that grant work was going to be available uh, with those funds from the state. Per the report, the city, rather than the Hamburg Economic Development Corporation, was required to prepare, review, and sign all requests for payment through the grant program. Additionally, Sands says Benefield's towing company billed the city over $9,000 for flood cleanup, which exceeded $6,000 and was not competitively bid per state code. During field work, Sand says it was also discovered 50 of the nearly 465 water meters in the city's water system do not work. However, he adds there is no current policy in place for the city clerk in use in calculating the usage and was instead basing the charges off of other households of similar size. And so in order to do billings, uh, the city clerk was just effectively guessing what monthly water usage was. So there was just, you know, you can't just make up what people are owed. Um, that is that is not a fair or appropriate way to bill people for their water work. Additionally, Sand has recommended the city establish a debt service fund for the deposit or transfer of funds received from sources other than property taxes after general obligation anticipation project notes or paid out of the general fund. 
Recommendations from the auditor's office have been provided to the city to resolve the various issues. A full copy of the report is available with the story at KMALand.com. Red Oak school officials are ensuring the district's bus fleet is secured for the upcoming school years. During its regular meeting Wednesday evening, the Red Oak School Board unanimously approved the leasing of three 77-passenger diesel buses through Bluebird for the 2023-24 to and 2025-26 to school years for just over $76,400 a year or over $229,000 total. Red Oak School Superintendent Ron Lorenz says the move comes in anticipation of any supply chain issues and the current lease agreement expiring in September. However, he adds there's a couple of reasons they would prefer leasing the vehicles versus purchasing them. First of all, to reserve more of our PEPL funds in the event that we need them for unforeseen circumstances. It helps us to be a bit more liquid. Um, leasing also minimizes their maintenance costs. It's the buses are under warranty, so many of the things that come up are, are paid for. We have things like tires that are less of an issue during that lease period. Lorenz says the district could purchase the three current lease gas buses for roughly $134,000, but the warranties would expire shortly and would also have to be transported to Des Moines or Waterloo for warranty work. After a long wait, Shenandoah has a new place to get clean clothes. Almost a year after a major land sale decision and after months of construction work, the doors to the Lemon Fresh Laundry at 601 West Sheridan Avenue swung open for the first time earlier this week. By a 3-2 vote last February, the Shenandoah City Council approved the sale of the former Radio Shack property to Sorensen Auto for construction of a new laundromat. Manager Kathy Silvestri told KMA News business was brisk since Monday's soft opening. My mind was blown, to be honest. Everybody who has reached out. They love it. They are so glad that it's here. It's definitely something that was long overdue. Silvestri says the new laundromat features modern washing and drying equipment. Opponents of last year's land sale questioned whether a laundromat fit in with the downtown business district's aesthetics. Silvestri, however, believes her business will spur more activity for other merchants. Most people aren't just going to sit in here and watch their clothes spin around in a machine. They, they will find something to do, whether it's go eat, go shop, or, you know, just look at people's windows. So the goal is to bring business to downtown, not just us. The Lemon Fresh Laundry is open daily from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Shenandoah's Chamber and Industry Association plans a formal grand opening in March. A Red Oak resident known for promoting music acts is heading to the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Born in Red Oak and raised in Elliott, John Murren has been running lights and sound at various bars and event centers for the past 25 years through parts of southwest Iowa, southeast Nebraska, and northern Missouri, including over 100 cities and towns. Murren is being inducted as part of the Iowa Rock and Roll Music Association's 2023 class and just one of two promoters this year. Murren told KMA News he was shocked and privileged to be among the inductees. To me, it's a, uh, amazing a little old boy out here in southern Iowa could uh, make an, an influence, I guess, on enough people that uh, someone like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame would consider you. But yeah, we've rubbed elbows with a lot of people. Say 168 different towns that we've worked in. In more than two decades in the industry, Murren worked with both national and local talents, ranging from touring artists like Eddie Money, Rick Derringer, and Marshall Tucker, to taxi driver out of Omaha, Skinny Webb, and farmer Ted and Hurricane Annie from Red Oak, among others. Murren and other inductees will be honored during the Hall of Fame's induction spectacular 
on Labor Day weekend. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. For more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com, where you can also hear this program in its entirety. Mike Peterson, KMA News.